Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Yes, the Raging Bull is back, Anthony Caruso here. And we are going to be excited to see women's cricket continuing their ramp up for the summer ahead. This time around, it's the start of WBBL 6. It is fast approaching. We can't wait. Not only that, but we are very excited. The whole tournament will be played right here in the best state in Australia, in New South Wales. We have assembled one of the best rosters you could find to analyse this. Two girls who know women's cricket like the back of their hands. Uh, one indeed who bowls with with an action that allows her to bowl out of the back of her hand, indeed. And what that lady is the pocket rocket herself, Zoe Benjamin. Good evening to you. Good evening, Anthony. Thanks for having me back. And um, you've been practicing that um, that wrong in a bit, haven't you, lately? Not 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 gonna not giving anything away. Not giving anything away. No no um no uh, five six different names for the same delivery to confuse the opposition. No, definitely not. And it's definitely not because I haven't been training as much as I should be. <laughs> I'm sure Tim would be very happy to hear that as well. <laughs> uh, joining us as well, the Vice President of University's Women's Cricket Club and quite possibly our biggest sports analyst. She's just fresh off the call with Central Coast Rugby. Uh, what a day that was up at Central Coast Stadium. Georgia lomas Potiran, good evening to you. Good evening, Caruso. Yeah, I mean, it was a fantastic weekend. It was fantastic weather. The media box was right on the halfway line. It was fantastic. But, no, thank you for having me to discuss one of my favourite sports, and uh, we all know that's cricket. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we, we, we can talk about the experience that we've had, experiences we've had calling in um, – special locations, and I only need to bring up our last ever call of the Kingsgrove T20 Cup, where we got to call from the ABC box in the Noble Bradman stand. It was absolutely amazing being able to sit up there right behind the bowler's right arm as it comes in. But tonight it's all about the women. It is WBBL 6. Uh, it doesn't matter whose side you're on in Sydney whether you're part of the Magenta Army or whether you're part of Thunder Nation, um, the, both the BBL and the WBBL capture the hearts and minds of everyone involved. And so it has to be said in particular, uh, the kids these days, both boys and girls, getting into the WBBL in a big way these days. Yeah, we love we love a good debut and there's been a wealth of talent coming through in these competitions and it's so exciting. It brings, you know, a surprise to these tournaments that um and, and that unpredictability. And and the great thing about the T twenty format is the game is whoever takes it by the scruff of the scruff of the neck. Like it's whoever rocks up and, and plays the best on the day and it makes for some great entertainment and some really good cricket um, and allows anyone who steps up for that opportunity to, to take it and shine. Right. Well, tonight we will be going through all eight teams. Who is in? Who is out? 
with so many stars now romping from all over the world to New South Wales to play the biggest women's T20 competition in the world. This is the only podcast in the world that gives you a comprehensive view from all corners of the field. Georgia, nowhere else in the world are you going to get a preview just like this for WBBL. No, this is going to be by far the most in-depth preview anywhere around the world. I'm surprised if people around the world aren't trying to find information. So they should be coming to us for all that information, shouldn't they, Caruso? Absolutely. In fact, as we say that, they've become a bit popular lately, quite popular lately, but umpire strikes back and huge ass are now in position again. They've been busy the last couple of weeks. Uh, The countdown is finished and that white kookaburra is ready to let fly. Ladies and gentlemen, without much further ado, this is Splinters. And we're going to kick things off straight away with the Adelaide Strikers. They're coached by Luke Williams, last year's runners-up. And Zoe, I'm going to start off coming to yourself first with the players coming in. Madeline Penner, who's transferred from the Melbourne Stars, and Laura Woolvart, who has joined as their new international player from South Africa. Yeah, again, some some nice young fresh talent in here. And we, we saw what uh, Laura Woolvart did in the the T20 World Cup, just absolutely on fire in that tournament, and the likes of Maddie Penner's debut um, from the Melbourne Stars. It'll be exciting to see what they can bring um, over the course of the tournament. Um, particularly Laura Woolvart, I'm interested to see um, how consistently she performs for for the Adelaide Strikers, and I think that she'll um, she could provide a bit of stability with some of the girls that they've lost. Like a like a Sophie Divine, even though a, a very different style, um, I think she just gives their batting lineup um, just a bit of an extra edge. Now we come to the the players that come out, Georgia, and yeah, you know, we mentioned Sophie Divine. It's a big loss for the uh, for the strikers. It should be mentioned as well that they've lost Lauren Winfield. They've lost Tabitha Seville. I, I think there's been rumors about whether Stephanie Taylor was going to resign. You might have news on that. I do, I do, and it was confirmed a couple of days ago that Stefani Taylor is, in fact, coming back to the Adelaide Strikers. She has re-signed a contract. She will be back. That's crucial for them because given the loss of um, of Sophie Devine, that's, you know, she, she's got the most runs for the club in WBBL, 769 runs. That's a lot of runs to find. Yeah, I mean... Totally agree there, but hey, Stefani Taylor and Susie Bates may very well be the new Smash sisters for the Adelaide Strike. Is it may be, you know, maybe a miracle. Maybe it might lead to a bit of a bit of a premiership there. Now, Zoe, the big thing that I've, I've identified with the Adelaide Strikes, you'll probably agree with this. They do have probably the most fearsome bowling attack in the competition, headed up by Megan Schutt and Sarah Coit. Well, I think the biggest. Uh, thing with their bowling attack, um, like like you said, is that there's there's not really a release there. Eventually, you're gonna have to take on one of these girls, whether it's Megan Shute, Sarah Coit, Talia McGrath, Amanda J. Wellington, um, and I think that those girls are gonna thrive on that because there's there's always a chance of a wicket, uh, especially a Megan Shute and the way that she just bowls so consistently. But the the biggest thing for teams that are going to come up against them is working out who they're going to target um, and whether that's uh, during the power play when when they've got a few more fielders inside the circle or whether that's taking on 
the spin. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what strategies uh, batting sides take against the Adelaide Strikers. Where do we see this team? They, they finished runners-up last year. Um, certainly the loss of Sophie Devine is going to hurt them, but I think that I do think they've recruited well to cover with Laura Wolvart uh, and Madeline Pennard being a great young talent. I think they're top, I think they're genuine top four contenders again. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I'd agree somewhere around semi-finals finish. Now, Brisbane Heat, coached by one of the guys identified as the epitome of mediocre cricketers from the nineties, in Ashley Nofke. Uh, Georgia, the play is in for the Heat this year. Nicola Hancock, who's joined from the Melbourne Stars. Nadine de Klerk, from the, another one of the contingent from South Africa. Georgia Redmayne from the Perth Scorchers and Georgia Vol, uh, who's been promoted from their academy. Yeah, I mean, these guys have done some huge recruiting in the offseason. I mean, we've seen them lose Beth Mooney. So to bring Georgia Redmayne in is a fantastic option. She's very quick behind the stumps. She is lightning fast with stumpings as well. She'll have taken the males off and you haven't even realized what's happened. But bringing Nicola Hancock in, fantastic all-rounder, which they'll need. And Nadine de Klerk from South Africa, as you said. I mean, I think this is going to be a very strong team once again. But I'm just wondering if it'll be defending champion material. Zoe... Georgia mentioned the departure of Beth Mooney to the Perth Scorchers, who not only was their wicketkeeper, but along with Jess Jonathan, proved to be a very damaging batting partnership there. It should be noted as well the loss of two other players for them. Kirby, Kirby Short, who has announced her retirement, and Sammy Joe Johnson, who has come home to Sydney. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, there's going to be a little bit of more pressure on the likes of the Harris the Harris sisters, um, particularly for some of that bigger hitting. I think, you know, Beth Mooney and, and Sammy Joe Johnson provided a bit of relief when they, uh, when that run rate was creeping up for them, they could knock the ball around and just ease some pressure off you know, some of their other players who liked to, to knock the ball around a little bit more. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who steps up for them with the bat, maybe maybe they look to a Georgia Redmayne to, to, to do a bit of hitting as well. But um, it's a little bit of a hole that they might have to fill. This is the this is the challenging part with it as well because it, it is it is without doubt that the number one keeper for the for women's cricket in Australia is Alyssa Healy. But then you've got this very strong battle for the number two spot for keeping. And I want to get your thoughts on it with this transfer, that this player swap that's pretty much amounted between Beth Mooney and Georgia Redmayne. Um, yeah. Is it a case of you've got the stronger batsman, the stronger batter in Beth Mooney against the stronger keeper in potentially in Georgia Redmayne? Uh, I think it'd be fair to say that me and Georgia have a little bit of a bias here having – played cricket with Georgia um, and, and seen a lot of her batting. Um, she was she was constantly scoring a ton of runs in first grade cricket for universities. Um, so personally I don't I don't see her batting as a as a downside. Maybe maybe not as strong in the T twenty format, I think definitely. But 
for what you get with her behind the stumps, I don't think you mind. Well, what, what do we what do we think? Is this can Brisbane retain their position given the given the loss of um, what would effectively amount to Kirby Short and Sammy Joe Johnson coming out? Have they covered them? Are they still contenders? for the premiership or are they going to be staying in the top, just staying in the top four? I personally think that they're still a, like that. I still think that they'll be a contender in that top four. Um, But I think they'll really have to fight for it. And I think that in terms of defending that, that championship, um, they got a big, big challenge ahead of them. I'm I'm saying top four as well, mainly because they still have Amelia Kerr, who is a, big wicket taker as we saw in the most recent series against New Zealand uh, but I think I think they may they may need to look to someone to score some runs otherwise they they're, they're going to be in a little bit of trouble I would say with Amelia Kerr she's just quietly mentioned as well probably one of the best wrongs I've seen from a uh, from a female league spinner I've seen so um, yeah, very, very handy indeed. Let's go on to the Hobart Hurricanes. They're coached this year by Salyam Briggs. They finished seventh last year in Georgia. Uh, a very short mention of their of the players' um, transfers. Rachel Priest joining from the Sydney Thunder along with Naomi Stallenberg. Uh, but the players coming out here, Curious in terms of the, the release. Heather Knight, originally restricted from COVID, she's now re-signed with the Sydney Thunder. They've lost uh, Fran Wilson at this point as well and Aaron Fazakali. Yeah, I mean, this team has been is has been really affected by, by the trading in the off-season, but, I mean, they still have some fantastic bowlers with Taylor Vatlamic and Belinda Vacawera and Maisie Gibson. And, I mean, we can't look past Hayley Matthews for the batting as well, so... Maybe it might be their year to come a little bit higher than the bottom of the table. But, I mean, I think they may very well still struggle this season. I get the feeling, Zoe, that this has been recruitment from the Hurricanes to bolster their batting, which had been a weak point over the last few seasons. Uh, They definitely get that with Naomi Stallenberg. Do they get that with Rachel Priest as well? I think so. And I think that the Hurricanes might actually look to at, at Rachel Priest specifically as a role to come in and focus on her batting and focus on being a big hitter that takes away some of the pressure off their other their other players. Obviously, they had the big hitter in Chloe Tryon, who probably deserved a bit more opportunity up the order last year, um, and something that I would have liked to see from the Hurricanes. But I wouldn't be surprised if you see. Um, Emma Maddox Greaves um, come in and do some keeping. She took a fantastic uh, double leg side stumping for the Great Northern Raiders. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they give her an opportunity and look to Rachel Priest to focus on her batting a bit. Um, might not happen, but it could just give Rachel Priest a, a sole focus on her batting and, and that might just help her with a more consistent uh, performance this season. And I think Naomi Salenberg provides their batting lineup with a lot more stability. Um, she was someone that performed quite well for the Thunder, who, as we said, was a side in development with a lot of their young talent coming through since a lot of their talent moved over to the Hurricanes. 
Um, and I think that she'll definitely help with that um, that team coherency. A lot of these girls have played a lot of cricket together now, um, and I I expect improvement out of them. Um, but I agree with Georgia in that they might struggle for that top four. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that, and I'll, and I'll come to Georgia on this because when you look at the the, the players that, that we've already identified were our ex-Sydney Thunder, not only with Rachel Priest and Naomi Stallenberg going across, but I believe Nicola Carey um, and Corinne Hall at one stage were play, had been playing for the Thunder as well. Yeah, you know, are, are we starting to see that um, Hobart can, looking to try and continue to pilfer from New South Wales women's cricket, similar to what they've done with men's New South Wales men's cricket, Premier cricket, with their pickup in particular of guys like Jackson Bird and Jordan Silk. Personally, I think for for these girls, it's about opportunity. There's a wealth of young talent coming through the New South Wales ranks. I think it's a matter of New South Wales having to to struggle with you know knowing when to bring this young talent through um, at the right times. We're seeing. Uh, the T20, co- the women's BBL competition being used more so for that. I think there's a much bigger focus on T20 cricket now for the women. Um, and I think it's just, yeah, I think it's just a matter of over there um, and get a bit more opportunity. You know, like you said, there's a long list of girls that have come from that team, um, including Maisie Gibson as well. And I think the other thing is just these girls wanting to stay together and play together. You know, like I said, they've played a lot of cricket together, probably from a very young age. Um, and, you know, it should be fun as well. Well, let's go to the last um, last team for this first spell. And we've got the Melbourne Renegades, coached by Lachlan Stevens, last year's semi-finalist. And Georgia, this a team that's been very active within the transfer market. Um, of Tammy Beaumont, leave, the English girl, leaving... And she was brought in originally to cover. She was brought in originally to cover for Amy Satterthwaite, who was away on maternity leave. Um, they've lost her. They lost Jeff, Jess Duffin, who's on maternity leave now as well. Erica Kershaw, who's been releasing. Claire Kosky, who has retired. Danny Wyatt, I believe, also not available at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's fantastic to have Amy Satterthwaite back, as well as Leah Tahuhu. They're both over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, ready for the season. I mean, they do still have a very strong team, as we can see. They still have Lizelle Lee as well, which has been an amazing uh, batting player, as we saw. I believe it was last year she was making century 50, you know, a heap of runs. But they've got Sophie Molyneux. They've got Georgia Wareham as well. So they've got some spinners in there as well. Just oh, how, good, how good has the Wolf been lately? Oh, spectacular. Absolutely amazing to watch. This is This is... Zoe, this is a girl who's out in the last couple of years has really come out of her shell as, as a player. Um, Wareham has just rediscovered, shown the world the, the rediscovered art of, of a leg spinner. And not only just being a leg spinner, but I guess being a big turning leg spinner, which is something you don't see a lot of in T20 cricket. Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing that I love about Georgia Wareham is her confidence. Um I think she's really playing with confidence at the moment and it's showing. And when you play with that sort of confidence that she is, you 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 make your own luck. You know, when the opportunity presents itself to her, she snatches it. She snatches it. She's she's setting up players, she's trying new stuff. Um, 
And she's not, like you said, she's not afraid to really rip that ball and get some turn on it. And it's working wonders for her. The the other part with the Renegades at the moment has been, I guess, their their confidence of being able to promote players up. I mean, they picked up Aaron Fazakali, as we mentioned beforehand, but Ella Haywood, uh, promoted from the Victoria Academy. Correct me if I'm wrong, Zoe, but she's barely out of school yet. I believe that's correct. Um, she's definitely... Some yeah, of it's confirmed. She's, she's 16. She's not even out of school. And I, again, that seems to be the theme quite a bit across the board um, with the T20 competition. That they're, they're definitely looking at it to, to start breeding in some of their their youngest talent. And you know what? If they go out there and they and they do a good job, then... It works wonders. Like I suppose a lot of people would would ask the question whether we're rushing talent in too quickly and putting too much pressure on 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 these really young kids. But I think that it's a really good opportunity for them to play with girls with a lot of experience um, who know the game inside out. Um, and I think it's a really good learning opportunity for them. And I think if these girls can look at it that way, then it's going to help their cricket a lot. The only thing I'll raise, and I'll, I'll throw this question to Georgia here, is their, their bowling attack at the moment, uh, very spin heavy. And we, we mentioned Wareham, we've mentioned Strano, we've mentioned Molyneux, Ella Haywood in there as well. The only recognised quicks in this lineup for there is Leah Tahu and Courtney Neal. Now, while it's great, obviously, to see the spin, their ability to sort of slow the, slow the ball down, it does mean it leaves, It could leave them short with options with a fresh pill. Yeah, I mean, they also have Maitland Brown, who is quite a quick bowler as well. But they're going to be very heavily reliant on their spinners, it seems. And it may be a bit of a tactic because a lot of T20 games now open with a, with a spin bowler to, you know, kind of set the pace very quickly, a very slow pace um, for the power play. But... It might be a bit of a tactic coming from from the Melbourne Renegades. She's gone to the days when we used to enjoy nothing more than in the in the men's BBL to see Brett Lee pushing off to open the open the bowling. You know, where are those days, honestly? You know, Elise Perry, he... Elise Perry just, just charged me in. Hey, he's not far from me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so what what do we think of the what do we think of the Renegades? They're, they're semi-finalists last year. I've no reason to believe that they won't be there again. I'm Hard thinking, one, isn't I'm, it? I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking top four as well, but they're going to have to work very hard for that place. Yeah, I tend to agree with Georgia. I think that they definitely have the potential to to make that top four again, but I think that they will have a little bit of a challenge. And I w- on that bowling front, by the way, I wouldn't be surprised if they turn to. Um, the likes of Carly Leeson a little bit just to get through a few overs, similar to how the Thunder um, liked to use a Nicola Carey. Um, that might just help their bowling attack a little bit. But now, I think w- the big thing is that they've still got a nice all-round team. One question to, to pose to both of you guys before we go to our break the we've seen Channel Seven marginally increase their commitment with the WBBL. They're broadcasting more games. Fox Cricket are going to be broadcasting a few more games this year. But with the recent debate as to what was going to be happening with cricket, uh, with Channel Seven putting pressure 
to not have to pay as much for what they had committed to with Cricket Australia. Where do we see this impact happening? Because surely they wouldn't be doing this to the WBBL, especially considering that this has really become a money spinner for the competition and for the channel itself. Look, it may it may not be particular that, that they take that away from. I mean, I don't see them taking it away from any international competitions, um, you know, teams who are, who are touring here. But it may just mean taking maybe one or two games away from the WBBL and also the the Big Bash competition as well. That way, it doesn't look like they're targeting a specific competition. It's a tough one, Zoe, as well, because this is where the money being generated is being made available for local clubs and, you know, for example, clubs like universities who'd be relying on these this extra funding to be able to function. Yeah, Cricket Australia will have uh, quite a quite a task ahead of them um, in working it out. And, I, you know, it's not really – there's no winning in this situation. Whatever they do, they're not going to make everyone happy. You know, someone's going to suffer a little bit. And I think the task for them will be working out probably the fairest way for them to do it, like Georgia said, specifically at one area. What will – can I ask as well, what now as well, what will the universities be doing – in terms of their support for the, for the WBBL, will, will there be that relationship with the two Sydney teams, which we'll cover a little bit later on, um, and providing that extra bit of support and training? Uh, from the committee perspective, I haven't really heard of anything in particular, but we have released uh, our players to go and play in the Big Bash, um, and sorry, in the WBBL, uh, whether that be in the training squad or even as you know, I'm on field like Maddie Dark and, and Stella Campbell, uh, but possible, possibly training facilities. But I mean, universities is already sharing with the um, the Sydney University Cricket Club, so it may get a little bit crowded either way. Uh, well, yeah, at least you do get the opportunity to work with someone like a Nick Larkin, for example, if he if he happens to be around. So, look, that's uh, that's drinks here on Splinters. We've already covered the first four teams. We're going to get into the second four teams. Second set of four teams right after this break. And we'll also have a bit of a chat about the impact that we're now going to see potentially going forward of this COVID bubble on the women's premier cricket competition. Stay tuned with us. This is Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We'll be right back. And welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Yes, Anthony the Ball Caruso here with the Pocket Rocker Zoe Benjamin and our cricket analyst, Georgia Lomas Fateran. And we're going to be going straight back into the, the preview and we're going to be going to the green side of Melbourne now. Zoe, it is the Melbourne Stars. They're coached by Trent Woodhill. They finished eighth and last last year. It's been a very difficult few years. Let's just start with that at the moment. It's been a very difficult few years for the Melbourne Stars. Uh, We've seen their men's BBL team struggling, but it has to be said that their season last year for the WBBL squad was an unmitigated disaster. Yeah, it was very disappointing. And I... 
would have liked to see them cause a few more upsets um, even uh, in last year's season and at least put put up a little bit more of a fight against some of some of the other teams um, but it wasn't to be they had a really they really struggled uh, last season but it is looking up um, they've done a bit of recruiting in the off season so things 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 are heading in the right direction for them I think they've really sat down and had a look at last season and gone okay what what's gonna turn this around for us? Well, let's go through that, Zoe, to start off with because they have, as you said, they have recruited heavily. They've brought in Catherine Brunt from the Perth Scorchers along with Natalie Siva, uh, Bobby De- um, Devshan and Meg Lanny. They basically rated Perth for this squad now for experience. Yeah, exactly. And experience is the key word there, um, Anthony. I think that they've got a lot more leadership in this side again. And that was something that I think Elise Villani had a lot of pressure on her to to be that leader and to be at the front scoring the runs. And I think all of these girls are going to take a lot of pressure off her. Georgia, this is the the challenge um, that Melbourne that the Melbourne Stars have because for quite a few years they did go after the youth policy uh, at this team, but. It seemed to really bite them on the behind last year with Elise Villani being the only person above the age of, um, above the age of, I think, 26 even in this squad. That the recruitment has been heavy towards um, experience. Uh, and we're also going to see uh, the partnership back from where it once was of Meg Lanning and Elise Villani back playing together. But how will this shape the team, especially when you consider that a lot of the girls in this squad are still incredibly raw? Yeah, look, Meg Lanning's fantastic, and it's going to be amazing to have that leadership back in the team. I think Elise Villani did suffer a little bit with all um, of, of the captaincy that went with it. I know from the few games that I've captained, being captain is very different to just standing in the field and and not having many thoughts go through your head, whereas you're thinking about everything, um, you know, batting lineups and you're trying to – it's a bit like a chess match. You're trying to think two balls ahead when, when um, you can't get anybody out. But I think the Melbourne Stars now have an amazing depth, especially with Catherine Brunt and Natalie Skip, um, Siva. Those two ladies are a dynamic duo and they have gotten married recently as well. So, I mean, they are a bit of a package deal. So I think they they may be a little bit better off than they were last year and I don't think they will suffer as much as well this year too. So I'm calling them as missing the finals, but I think they will avoid the wooden spoon. By the way, for those wondering, at this stage, I am calling the Hobart Hurricanes for the spoon this year. Um, Zoe, your thoughts on where the Melbourne Stars will finish up? Um, I, I think similarly to what we talked about with the Hurricanes was was definitely in a, a side improving, but <laughs> like someone's got to get the spoon. I, I don't think it will be the Melbourne Stars. I, I think that experience was exactly what they needed to bring into the side, um, and they have. And similar to what, like what Georgia was saying, Elise Villani is definitely that sort of player who her, her biggest criticism has been her consistency. And I think not having to worry so much about that that leadership side of things 
will really help her game. In fact, I do want to throw that to Georgia a little bit as well. Has been the enigma that is Elise Villani. Um, a, you know, for a long time, a, the darling of the of the women's team. Uh, she really has sort of, to a certain extent, disappeared off the face of the earth. What do you think it is? Has it been the added pressure of her trying to do some of her post cricket career, especially in terms of media? Or do, do you think it's been the return to Victoria has just put it put extra load of pressure on her? I mean, I think there may be a number of variables uh, in, in that equation. Sorry to bring maths into it. Uh, but I think... Oh, look, there's nothing wrong with bringing math, bringing math into it, okay? <laughs> oh, there is There is if you're studying to be a PE teacher. Uh... <laughs> you're talking to a mathematician here, so it's perfectly acceptable. <laughs> no, no, but in saying that, I think her spot in the Australian team was in jeopardy long before uh, the, the commentary came around, but I think that has been a bit of an, um, a blessing for her because it does mean she has another... Uh, job opportunity and, and other uh, jobs going ahead if something were to happen. But honestly, she's been doing a fantastic job uh, in in the off-season. We, we've seen her get ready. And I think now that, as we said, she doesn't have the captaincy role, she may very well perform a lot better this season uh, with, you know, just focusing on her game rather than what everybody else is doing. So let's move on to the – we're going to move on to the next team. And we go from a team that's been – recruiting heavily to a team that has lost a lot of players. Uh, it is the Perth Scorchers. They're coached by Shelley Nitschke. They finished semi-finalists last year. But, Zoe, I'm going to come to you to start off with. When you look at that, the players that they've lost this year, I don't see how they remain competitive this year. Yeah, I, I suppose the biggest thing is going to be the two players that they've um, that they have snatched Um I think that what Perth has done is looked at who they were bringing in and gone, okay, we can release these players because these girls will do do the job for us. Um, so the likes of Sophie Devine and Beth Mooney coming in, both of them did a fantastic job for their individual teams last season, playing in the finals, had very good, consistent years. And the players coming out, like your Georgia Redmayne, your Meg Lanning, your Nat Siver, um, Catherine Brunt, it's it's that batting, and I think Sophie Devine and Beth Mooney at least fill some of those batting gaps. Um, but you're right, they have lost quite a few. They have moved quite a few players on. Georgia, I, I don't see how they recover from this. And at this point, of, of all the teams that finish in the top four, I see Perth Scorchers likely to drop out um, completely. Uh, and I think this could be a redevelopment year, a rebuild year for, for Perth. Like, do they do they risk appearing what would be a tanking in order to be able to rebuild the squad, or do they try and salvage what they can out of this season? I mean, I know they've recruited Sophie Devine, but I don't think, and and Beth Mooney, but I don't think two players are enough to carry the whole squad. Because uh, in order for a team to win, the team has to perform together. Although they, they do have Nick, Nicole Bolton, who has apparently shown herself as a bit of an all-rounder in the past year or so, or in two years. But and and Gemma Barsby as well with with uh, her spin left and right-handed. But I'm I'm not seeing them going very far this season. I'm thinking more middle of the table kind of finish. Well, let's. 
without further ado, let's go over to the uh, the two teams that the majority of people listening to Splinters will be wanting to hear about. The two Sydney teams. I'm going to start off with the Magenta Army, the good side of Sydney, and Georgia. Knowing your knowing your fanship, indeed, when we were bats just started recording this, you were in the middle of taking your Sixers bandana off. So um, very good that you've been able to come into this with some sort of um, objectivity with it, we think. But <laughs> the one thing that we've noticed with the Sixers lineup, and it's been the same thing from WBBL1, is this team barely changes. It's the same team year in, year out. It may be the same team year in and year out, but they perform the same way year in and year out. You know what you're going to get uh, when when the when the Sydney Sixers come to the crease, and you know you're going to get a very strong game, especially with the likes of Marazan Cap, Elise Perry, Dane Van der Kirk, Alyssa Healy, and now with the new likes of Lisa Griffith as well, and and of course um, Aaron Burns, who takes catches for fun. Zoe, it's a, it's a, on paper. This is the strongest lineup in the competition. The only thing that the only thing that could be hampering them at the moment, you could potentially say, would be firstly consistency, and then secondly, the fact that they could be starting the season with at least Perry on the sideline. Yeah, well, we all know we don't have to really go into what Elise Perry does for the side. Like you know, she's an incredible leader, incredible all rounder. And obviously a big out if she's not able to start the season. I think the biggest challenge for the Sixers ahead will be um, their younger talent that have now got a year under their belt, um, continuing to develop in this competition and continuing to make their mark um, and, and play their role in this team. I think consistently we had the discussion on the bench last year around their reliance on Healy and Perry to perform. Uh, I'd love to see someone like an Ash Gardner really step up with some more consistency in her game because I think she's got some wonderful potential. Oh, she's got talent. She's got talent to absolute burn at the moment. And we've seen it in the recent series against New Zealand how her coming in towards the end of the innings and just being able to blast a quick 550 um, shows what she, shows the goods she, that she does have. You mentioned the younger girls as well. They've got three girls who are just coming out or are still finishing school at the moment uh, in the likes of Maddie Dark, Stella Campbell, and I think the player who could be in for a big career in the future. We've seen what she can do with Parramatta. And I think she's going to be due for a big year coming up. Is Haley Silver Holmes? Absolutely, she's such a talent, um, and she was great with the ball last year when she was given her opportunity. I think both her and Stella did a fantastic job um, coming through that coming through that side last year. Um, and I can't I can't wait to see how they go this season. I think I definitely agree on the Haley Silver Holmes front. She has a lot of potential, and I think continuing to play in this tournament um, with the experience that's around her, uh, you know, she's got a lot of people to look up to and learn from, and I think it's only going to help her develop as a cricketer. The only thing I'm going to flag here, Georgia, with this is the 
is the age of some of the players because they are starting to get a bit on and I don't I don't think it's going to be long before we start to see some of these players now consider what's going to be happening with them in the future. It's not so much with Elise Perry per se and, and Elisa Healy who still have some solid years in them left. But I'm looking at the likes of the the very experienced player, the likes of Aaron, of Aaron Burns. Um, Marazan Cup, maybe not so much, uh, but certainly Angela Reeks is the is the other one there, and Sarah Alley. Um, yeah, they're starting to get to that to the to that point of the career where there's going to be where there's going to be some renewal. But there is a large chunk of those players that are born around 1990, 1991 that make up the the majority of this squad. Yeah, I mean, looking at this list, there are already three or four players 1990 who just pop out, but. Sarah Ailey, I mean, she's already she's already called retirement on uh, the Breakers, so that that's one thing. So this may be possibly her last season in the Magenta as well. Uh, I mean, I know we saw Alex Blackwell go on for a couple of seasons after she retired, but really anything goes. You never know. But Angela Reeks has uh, just recovered from an Achilles injury. Actually, she uh, missed last year's season because she tore her Achilles tendon and had surgery on that, which is about a six, seven, eight-month recovery. So I reckon she's rearing to go. And, I mean, we'll just have to see as long as the body's uh, kept, you know, in tip-top condition and and uh, the conditioning is done and, and, yeah, and recovery. I think we may be seeing these ladies for a few more years. Coached by Ben Sawyer, they finished fifth last year. Are they the team that pushes into the top four this year, Zoe? I'm going to be harsh here, and I actually I actually think that even though they've got the potential to do it, I think that fifth might end up being their position again. Just, just in terms of if, if they can get the consistency – um, and the reliance off Perry and Healy that we, we constantly talked about last season. Yep, absolutely. But at the moment, there isn't too much that's hinting towards that until the season starts. You know, as we said, nothing much has changed in this team other than those girls having A year one more. more season. Yeah, one more season under their belt. And Georgia. I mean, it, it's... Uh, are you are you doing this prediction with your Sixers bandana on, or have we got the full objectivity going for this prediction? I'm doing this prediction with the uh, sources I have from the Sydney Sixers, saying. Oh, that, here we go. That, that saying that Perry is uh, aiming for that first game and is looking fit and and ready to go. Uh, but I'm I'm thinking top four, maybe fifth, if there's a bit of an injury cloud looming still. So this will be this will be curious to see how they go out. And it's good to know that you've got the the Sydney Sixers special source um, coming in right now. And uh, certainly if Masters Foods are listening in and we've got rumours, well, we, we, we've got, we know where to get the source. So it's not guys. So, it's so much a rumour, but I mean, it was posted on their social media today uh, that, that she is looking fit and, re- and ready to go. Actually, to be fair, that's a pretty rich source right there. That's bad, isn't it? That, that's, yeah. a, that's a dad joke and a half. <laughs> but everyone loves a dad joke, so, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> Where did you Let's move on to the, the last team for the preview. It is the Sydney Thunder, coached by Trevor Griffin. They finished sixth last year. And it's the changes that have occurred here very much reflect the changing of the guard here, Zoe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
we we said it last season. They uh, were a team undergoing a development phase, bringing a lot of young talent through, um, and perhaps a bit too heavily reliant on that young talent. But they've done some pretty good recruiting, in, in my opinion, um, this season. And even though that uh, they've got quite a few players that have fallen out of fallen out of the side or, or moved on to other clubs, I think the players that they've brought in uh, could do them quite a bit of good in terms of a little bit of extra experience, um, but also still girls who are who are young and developing their game. Well, let's let's go through it. To start off with, we've got the Sydney swap that's occurred this year. Lauren Smith and Lisa Griffith trading teams. So Lisa Griffith off to the Sixers and Lauren Smith joining the Thunder. Georgia, we mentioned before, Sammy Jo Johnson has come home. She's now playing for the Sydney Thunder in the WBBL and she is lining up for the New South Wales Breakers. We've seen a few players now returning to New South Wales and the men's. We've seen Adam Zampa returning. Now we've got Sammy Joe Johnson. Like, how much of a buzz is it to see girls who have gone to try and get a break in another state now returning? It's absolutely fabulous to see them returning home. I think COVID may have been a bit of a blessing in that when borders were shut and they realised that they didn't actually have the option to go home and see family and their and their loved ones. I think it may have just kind of clicked with that and they may have thought, oh, maybe it is time to, you know, go home, be around the family. I know some of the men... Big Bash players have done that uh, from all their traveling. You know, they have young kids or they have nieces and nephews and have decided to be close to them. But I think it's fantastic to see Jamie, Sammy Joe Johnson uh, down here in, in good old New South Wales. Uh, but I, I'm wondering how the playing conditions down here, because it is slightly different weather and temperatures to Queensland, how it may affect uh, the bowling and, and um, performance. Two two players I should mention, of course, announced, announced their retirements last year, Zoe, and one of them in particular very close to the heart of um, of you two girls here. Uh, Renee Farrell first off announced her retirement, but in particular Alex Blackwell, um, a stalwart for universities, New South Wales, the Thunder, and for Australia for a number of years. Um, I believe she may still retain some sort of role, a mentoring role in the future with the Thunder. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me. I can't talk any higher about a player than Alex Blackwell. She's someone that I've always seen as a mentor figure and someone I've always looked up to as a player um, and have learnt a lot and been lucky enough to watch um, and play with occasionally and I think that it would do. It would be a very smart choice um, by the club to keep her involved, um, especially since they still have a lot of young talent coming through, and that might still be their Achilles' heel this year. Well, let's go through that that young talent here because there, there are four players that have popped up in, in particular worth mentioning: uh, your teammate Olivia Porter, Saskia Hawley, Samantha Arnold. We think at this stage. Um, but also a player that's been picked up from New South Wales Women's Premier Cricket, Annika Leroyd. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw Annika Leroyd absolutely dominate um, in the Premier Cricket last season. I think, you know, a well-deserved promotion, um, probably timely. I think she was in great form and, and is someone definitely on the rise. 
Uh, I'll be interested to see uh, what sort of game time she does get um, since they do have, you know, some of the girls that they brought in from last season that, you know, only got so much game time, like your Phoebe Litchfields, your Hannah Darlington, um, your Kate Peterson, you know, all, all of these girls are very strong with the bats. They're all kind of fighting off for those positions. It makes you, me wonder, it makes you wonder as well where um, Saskia does end up fitting in and potentially even Samantha Arnold if they get a look in or whether they're going to be kept on the sidelines for most of the season again. Well, I think the big thing for, for Sass Wormley uh, will be um, her spin as well, um, her bowling. Um, and, and similar to Olivia Porter, who can do a little bit of bowling. Um, you know, I think that was why we saw a Hannah Darlington and a Rach Treneman get a few more opportunities is that they have that, that extra extra string to their bow. Um, and obviously, you know, Phoebe Litchfield performed phenomenally um, in her first season. And I'm very excited to watch where she progresses to this year the the interesting one for me is definitely a Sam Arnold I, I know she's been an absolute gun and a fantastic leader in the Penrith side over a number of years um and if she has to stay in that bubble but isn't getting much much game time that's going to be an interesting space to watch particularly for Penrith who have quite a few players already in this bubble well that that was going to be the last question that I, that I was going to put to you to you two girls is for the teams in New South Wales Women's Premier Cricket, who do you think gets impacted the most from these from the selection, these selections and in terms of the bubble? You've mentioned Penrith. I'm looking at this as well, and I can't help but think that the other team that's going to be that's going to struggle out of this could be, be very well be your university squad. They were the first team I was gonna mention <laughs> when you when you put up the question. <laughs> yeah. Well it's it's half it's almost half your squad, isn't it? It's it's seven it's seven players plus Bess Heath and Sophie Munro. Um it it you know, there are a lot of girls that have fallen out of our first grade side this year, um, and are in that bubble. Um and it, it might be a similar situation with Sam Arnold where we don't know how many, like wh- whether they've got to stay in this bubble or whether, you know, if they're not playing, they're allowed to return to club land. I think they'll be a lot tighter on it this year. I, I wouldn't imagine that anyone who is in the training squads or in the side would be returning to club cricket, uh, which obviously is going to have an effect on all clubs, but Penrith and ourselves um, have probably been hit quite a bit with that. And the funny thing is, I think the team that benefits the most out of, um, potentially benefits the most out of this, Georgia, could be someone like a, a Parramatta or a um, Gordon who only lose one player and they're looking like they're seeing the rest of the competition come back to them. Yeah, I mean, totally agree. I mean, Campbelltown have lost two, maybe three players. St. George Sutherland has lost maybe, again, one or two, uh, depending. Northern Districts have lost maybe even one, maybe two. Again, it, it all varies, but, yeah, some some squads like Penrith and, and our own unis are going to maybe have to do a little bit of digging uh, to find players to, to come up and, and to step up and, and play those strong roles like Erica James um, in the batting lineup for, for universities. 
But again, well, I mean, this is really going to show the clubs that you can't just rely on your on your uh, representative players. You you have to have players in your teams uh, who who can represent you and and look after you, even if they aren't you know state level. The last question I wanted to to throw to you girls was um, the number of international players that are coming in, sort of really where where they're coming from. We've seen the usual lineup of players coming out from England, a couple of. Um, players from here and there. New Zealand often gets a run. But, Zoe, the, the, the country that always seems to turn out in spades for this event has been the South Africans. It started in Dane um, about four or five years ago, and it seems like the, re- the rest of the South African squad have just jumped on board to tr- to to play their trade in WBBL. Yeah, what wonders it's done, though, for, for the competition. Each... Each of these girls that have come across in their respective sides have played a fantastic role. Um, the experience of Ismail um, in the Thunder side, the power of Chloe Tryon in, in the, the Hurricane side. I've said repetitively on the bench and even a couple times in this podcast that I really would love to see her get a bit more opportunity um, when when – there, when that run rate creeps up a bit, just pushing her up the order and saying, go for it, you know, giving her a bit more time to have a bit of a bash. And obviously, Dupree for the Stars filled a fantastic role again. It, it's amazing having these players come over um, and regularly, regularly playing on our pitches as well. I think that last year it was particularly important for, for these players where they paid a a very big role for their respected countries um, in the in the T20 World Cup, um, and I think that you know all of these players are smart and have the the awareness around the advantages of playing more cricket in different countries for when you then tour. We are going to be signing off from here on Splinters. Before we go, I do want to give my thanks to Zoe Benjamin and Georgia Lomas Fortieran. The last thing I'm going to ask each of you girls first: Zoe and then Georgia. Your final prediction, who wins the grand final and who comes runner-up in the grand final? You've put me on the spot. Oh, yeah. That's what we're all about. As you know, throwing people under the bus. (laughs) Go to Georgia first. Go to Georgia first. Does Georgia have it? Uh, I'm going to say very biasedly Sydney Sixers in the final with the Adelaide Strikers. For what it's worth... I am gonna I'm gonna go the Melbourne Renegades winning over the Adelaide Strikers. Yeah, I'm similar to you guys that I think the Strikers will be there. I think they're they're still a very strong side. And I don't mind the Renegades either, actually, Anthony. There but we I, are. I still like I still like the Heat, even though we talked about the the experience that they've lost. Oh yeah, I'm too indecisive. <laughs> Well, we'll leave it be for now. We'll see what what's going to be happening. But that is Stumps here on Splinters. Oh, I want to. Oh, yes, I know. Oh, Zoe. I want to thank our guests uh, once again, Zoe Benjamin, Georgia Lomas Paterin. Thank you very much for joining us both tonight. Thank you for having me. Yeah, always a pleasure. So that it is. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. That is Splinters on. Triple H 100.1 FM and streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. On behalf of Zoe Benjamin and Georgia Lomas-Fatera, and this is Anthony the Book Caruso telling you to run hard or run home. Good night.